Hi, welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and today's guest, we have photographer Jesse Burke. Jesse Burke is a photographer based out of Providence, Rhode Island, who specializes in fine art, commercial, and editorial photography. His work has been exhibited across the U.S. as well as abroad, and has worked for commercial clients such as Adidas, The New York Times Magazine, Time Magazine, as well as Bank of America, to name a few. In this conversation, we kind of get a glimpse into how Jesse started out in his photography career and uh, how he progressed to where he is now, working for big clients like L.L. Bean and recently publishing book. Um, it's a good conversation, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. All right, man, Jesse Burke, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Cool, man. I guess this is to start off, or uh, people don't know who you are, maybe just kind of give a short bio, like who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Yeah, sure thing. So I am a photographer. I live in Rhode Island, Providence, Rhode Island area. And originally I'm from Connecticut, southern New England. I spent many years in Arizona going to college and skateboarding and found photography out there. Moved after undergraduate college to attend RISD in Providence, Rhode Island for graduate school. Nice. And ended up staying in Rhode Island, and now I have a family, and I live in a small little coastal town, and nice shoot pictures. And then, like, uh, how did you get into photography? What are like some of your kind of earliest memories? Like, what kind of stuff were you shooting? Initially, I started out by taking a photo one class in community college okay. in Tucson, Arizona, when I moved out there to uh, just kind of hang out with my buddies and my girlfriend. At the time, who has now become my wife, we moved out to the desert. I took a photo class, and I wanted to take pictures of skateboarders because I was, you know, really into skateboarding at the time and needed a way to sort of document what was happening with my friends and the culture and, you know, the action of it all. So I started to take pictures of that. Slowly it turned into just using a camera to sort of explore the landscape and Mm -hmm. the faces of the people that I was hanging out with at the time in Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like an interesting place to kind of learn photography. There's a lot to shoot with landscape and skateboarding, too. Yeah, and it was really interesting for me because, you know, as someone that grew up in New England, the desert of Tucson was such a different landscape that I was really, really intrigued in just, like, you know, aesthetically what it looked like. So I was drawn to to that through, you know, the camera. And, you know, I've always really been into the idea of nature and, uh, you know, sort of our connection to the land. Yeah. So I was already sort of doing that stuff in my own personal life. So when you add, you know, the frame of a camera and the ideas behind capturing landscape, what does landscape mean? How do we, you know, sort of look at it? You can really see how like having a camera and having this new tool and then also being in this new place was really kind of an exciting thing. So I got yeah. totally engaged in that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you, you know, kind of moved out to Arizona with, like, you hadn't even done photography at all. You just kind of moved out there and it was all new to you. Exactly, yeah. I just moved out there to get out of the East Coast and get away from, you know, my house, experience different things, get away from everything that I knew and try to, like, you know, broaden my horizons, live in a different place where I had some friends that were skateboarder buddies of mine. They have moved out there for one reason or another. Yeah. And, you know, before long, you know, we all sort of relocated as a tribe sort of out to the desert. Yeah. 
And uh, it was really awesome because we had a lot of friends, we had a lot of connections. And so, you know, again, like adding a camera into that, there's a lot of potential for, uh, for sure. image making. So it was a pretty exciting time, actually. That's cool, man. Were there like any like photographers in your family growing up or like anybody else that you kind of knew that was into photography at all? <clears throat> no, I mean, I came from a, from a, from a family that wasn't necessarily uh, in complete understanding of what I was doing, you know? So, like, I was the first, I would say, artist that I know of in my family. And mm. it's kind of funny because when I told them that I wanted to go on to become a photographer, they were supportive to, you know, as best as they could. Yeah. But they didn't really get it, like, completely, you know? Like, I had a lot of pushback. Yeah from my parents like, what are you gonna, this what are you idea do? of what's that? They're like, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of parents feel that way, right? For about sure. art and stuff. And so I get it. I totally understand it. Yeah. And you know, but I had a lot of pushback and I was, uh, I was, you know, I was really uh, invested in this idea of becoming a photographer and going to grad school and like yeah. becoming an artist. And so when I mm -hmm. told them that I was going to, move from Arizona back home to New England and attend this like really expensive art school. Yeah. They had a hard time with that because I'd also gotten a scholarship to go to University of Connecticut basically okay. for free. Mm -hmm. And I turned it down to go to RISD and pay, you know, like an, an insane amount of money. Yeah. And, you know, I think like the practical mind decides that like, you know, financially it's much more, secure to go to a school where you won't have any debt you'll get a college education yeah. blah 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 rather than spend you know 100 grand to go to this school and basically at the end of the day you have the same degree in some ways right like a piece of paper that says photography on it yeah but i think you know so like trying to trying to educate them and like let them know yeah. like how much better one decision was over the other and mm -hmm. that like you know Money can't dictate everything. Yeah. It's a hard lesson. It's a hard thing to, to explain to people. Right? Oh, yeah, like, definitely. Money does dictate everything. Yeah. So when you decide very quickly that it doesn't... It's a real thing. That's a, it's a real... Yeah, it's a conflict for a lot of people, right? Uh, so so did, you go um, to, did you go to undergrad for photography? I did. I went to, I went to University of Arizona in okay. Tucson. And, you know, the only thing I would say about, like, my education that I think is a little bit different than a lot of people is that I got a really late start. So I didn't graduate my undergrad degree until I was 30. Okay. So I was, a you know, I was a good five plus years older than everyone else yeah. in, in my college. And then, so when I graduated at back home, I was in my early thirties, yeah. you know? So when I graduated from RISD, I was in like, you know, 32 or 33. So yeah. That's not bad for grad school, but, you know, for graduating undergrad, it's, it's kind of old. So um, yeah. I was a little bit more advanced in my life, I think, because of that. You know, I've just been it's probably, through the 20s. It's and probably almost better. It's probably almost better. You kind of, it was a little later, you're probably taking your photography more serious than if you were this and like, you know. Much more, yeah, exactly. Like much, much more seriously. So when I was graduating from college, I knew that I immediately wanted to keep like sort of trucking in photography because I was so yeah into it and I was ready that, you know, I had found my calling, so to speak, right? Like that's what we all can only hope for is to find yeah. something we're passionate about. Right. And I had found something after struggling to find something for 10 plus years, you yeah. know, like 18 to 30, you know, 12, 
11 or 12 years, I was mm -hmm. looking for something and I finally found it. So I wasn't about to take a break between undergrad and grad school. So I went immediately moved to, uh, to Rhode Island and yeah. started, you know, in earnest, uh, studying, you know, and becoming like, you know, fine artist at RISD. Yeah. What, what kind of stuff were you shooting? Like when you were like this in the undergrad program in Tucson, was it, were you just kind of shooting? I like? was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was shooting a lot of landscapes of the desert mm -hmm. because I was interested in this idea of sort of like, um, the building that was happening in the landscape, right? Like, so in the desert, you can see there's like a clear lot. One thing that's really interesting about like the landscape of Arizona or the West in some ways, rather than the East Coast where, mm -hmm. where we're from is that like it's wide open and you can see a lot of things in the distance. Yeah. It's a really weird thing coming from, you know, a place where you can't see down the block because there's so many hills and trees and stuff in the way. But in the West, you can see for, you know, a hundred miles. Oh, yeah. So you can see a very clear marks on the land where like you know people are building into the to native desert yep. so i was really interested in sort of that place where like that sort of they were where man and nature were sort of butting up against each other so i was out documenting sort of like the, what i perceived as the destruction of like the natural desert yeah but i was also shooting skating like sort of in my mind i sort of like decided that skateboarding and my friends were like my fun yeah. photography and then the landscape and stuff was my sort of schoolwork and like my serious photography yeah and what's which was what was funny is that when i came back east very quickly i started to like try to continue in the sort of landscape vein yeah. shooting you know like the new england landscape and what that meant and looking for similarities between like the wet the desert and new england and i just wasn't finding it yeah, it's different. And because, of course, it's such a different place, such a different landscape, such yeah. a different history. Yeah. And so very quickly, what I found was that people were really drawn to these portraits that I had hanging in my studio of my friends, my skater buddies yeah. from from the, my days in Tucson, which, you know, at that point was not that long ago. Mm -hmm. And so I started to think about, oh, well maybe I should think about like make, doing these portraits a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And like after, you know, a few weeks or so, I started to really think and work in shooting the people that I knew here in New England. And that sort of turned into my grad school work. Yeah. How's, how's the difference between like uh, the undergrad program? I, I didn't go to grad school. So like, how does it differ like from the photography program? From well, the I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great question. So like in undergrads, you know, in undergraduate college, you have your courses and you work with your teachers and you have sort of, you know, like in a, in a sort of an arts program or a photography yeah. BFA program, you would have like a thesis project that you would work on yeah. over, you know, a course of, of some time and you would get critiques and feedback and work on it. And, you know, you have to take all your extra courses and all your, you know, requirements and stuff like that. And so the difference I would say in graduate school is that it is the time that you decide if, yeah. if you can stand to decide, make your work. Yeah. So like I wasn't working, I wasn't doing anything except shooting pictures, having critique, studying, reading, writing, things like that. Yeah. It was a much more intense experience than undergrad. And you're also getting like critical feedback. You're there. You're, you know, I, I sort of view grad school as a business. Yeah. And so when I decided to spend all this money on attending this 
really prestigious, expensive school, I knew that like it wasn't it wasn't like undergrad where it was just like I don't know on on one level it was less serious, less important. Yeah, it was something that like I had to do, and grad school was something that I wanted to do. Yeah, so it was really different in my mind. So. I took it really serious and I studied and I shot every day yeah. and I printed every night and I talked to people every week and I just was like full, full on photographer, you yeah. know, hundred hours a week, which yeah. was not how I operated when I was in undergrad. I don't think that's how anybody operated. Yeah. In undergrad. You know, they're much more scattered. They're yeah. probably working a little bit yeah. and you know, they're hanging out with their friends a lot and yeah. maybe partying and, mm-hmm. In like, you know, studying math and studying all these other classes that have nothing to do with what they want to do with their life. And in grad school, it's like full on 100% commitment just to photography. So, you know, I think it it takes, I think you need to be in the right place in your life to go to grad school. I don't think it's, it's the kind of thing that you can just wing. I think it's, again, it's a business decision. When you're going to get into this sort of game, spend all this money, there's a lot on the line. You need to be dedicated. You need to have two years of your life you're willing to dedicate yep. to this thing where you're not going to be doing anything mm-hmm. except creating work and getting feedback so you can be the best that you can be, you know, and then when you're done, you can, you know, it's a different, it's a different game. Then you're in the sort of hustle bustle of yeah. how do I become an scratch. artist and get my work out there, yeah. get jobs. If you should choose to go into commercial photography, yeah. how do I get gallery exhibitions and book deals and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a different phase of your life in yeah. some ways. I and I think grad school sets you up it, it to, to, you know, you work so hard at creating this work that it allows you to have that for the rest of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what it's like to like dive in head first into a project yep. and then just work. Yep. And, 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 you know, like once you graduate again, like you're back out in the real world, you're back into like sort of like scatterbrain, like mm-hmm. where you have to do all, like a lot of different things like work a job and still make your pictures and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, but you can't, you never lose that like experience of like being so dedicated. Yeah. I mean, that's the ideal. Yeah. If I, that's what you want to do, it's really ideal to be able to have, eat a, you know, a big chunk of time, like two years to just work on a single project. It's a really beautiful experience. Yeah. I guess, like, looking back on, like, um, where you are now, because you've done a lot since grad school, obviously, like, are you glad you yep. went through that program? Like, do you feel like photo school was something that was, like, definitely... Yeah, for me, for me, yeah, I mean, I don't think grad school's for everybody, but mm-hmm. I think for me it was really important because uh, there's so there's a million reasons why it was important, but one of them was that, like, I had just sort of, I had been like messing around with college for 10 years, going part time, taking pictures. And then, you know, like I found something that I loved. I found photography and I very quickly sort of finished up my undergraduate education because I had already fulfilled so many prerequisites that I was able to graduate pretty quickly. And then I knew that I was just on to some, I had just started, you know, it had only been a year and a half. So I knew that I needed to like really have this period where I could focus on creating a project or artwork or just be a photographer and not be anything else. And so grad school allowed me to do that. You know, it's like an excuse in my mind where I was like, I'm just going to go be a photographer hard for two years and do nothing else. And I think that was really the most important decision I could have ever made because it, 
it, it allowed me to really become what I wanted to be, you know? Yeah. And without grad school, that probably wouldn't have happened. I would have had a job. I would have been doing other things. Yeah. I would have been distracted with, you know, the regular yeah. rigmarole of life, right? Yeah. Which is, which is how it is now for me. I mean, I'm a photographer, but I'm distracted by my family, yeah, by yeah. my, by work, by, you know, politics, by whatever. And when you're, when you're in, in graduate school, at least for me, I wasn't doing anything except working on that yeah. artwork, right? Yeah. So, you know, it was really, really crucial in sort of setting me up to be able to work. You know, like, it's funny, I always tell people like, yeah, I call myself a photographer, but I'm really a marketer that takes pictures every once in a while. Yeah, but what exactly. I mostly do is market myself. Yeah, yeah. But like, when you are taking pictures, that's the, when I am like pushing the button on the camera and thinking about things like that. Yeah. That's when I, that's when I feel like that grad school experience was like really important. Yeah. And then, so like once you finished grad school, where did you go from there? What did you kind of do after that? So once I finished grad school, I had this project sort of like packaged perfectly, you know, so yeah. I was working really hard to promote it. Mm -hmm. And I got some, some decent traction right out of grad school into the fine art world. So I was able to sort of segue out of the school life into yeah. the real life in terms of like having some exhibitions and then getting a gallery to represent my work and getting a book published. That stuff happened pretty quickly for me because I was, a, I was working really hard to sort of hustle it. Yeah. And, and, that was great because uh, I had worked so hard for two years that it was nice to see that it had paid off so yeah. quickly. But then, in ter you know, that stuff doesn't pay the bills yeah. per se. At least it didn't in my my case. Yeah. So what I had to do was also figure out what I was going to do for a job. I decided to work as a photo assistant on commercial photography gigs. Yeah. And because I always loved the idea of like working commercially as a photographer. Yeah. In addition to being a fine art photographer, I felt like the topics that I was most interested in had a lot of like crossover into the commercial world in terms of like ideas and aesthetically, like what the pictures looked like. I've always been really inspired by commercial photography. Yeah. I, I think I've always, you know, we're all inspired or affected by culture and images in yeah. the world right and so like the photography people in the world are just more aware of our exposure to photography right yeah so once you realize that you're so subject to image making every day all day you see images 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 you know you can start to think about that i thought well there's a place for me in the world to make those images yeah. like i can get paid to make pictures there's a need for these pictures so that means there's a job out there in some way, exactly. right? So, I, so the way that I decided to get like involved into that world, because you have to figure out how to get into it, yeah. is by assisting on commercial photo shoots, because at RISD, it's very fine art-based. They don't really teach you commercial photography. Yeah. So I had to learn it somehow, and I got a job working with various photographers and yeah. slowly figured out you know, what I needed to do, how to work with clients, how to light you know, portraits, how to... like figure out, you know, invoicing and, yeah. and all of those sort of like business things that one needs yeah. to sort of be a professional photographer. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that was happening for me is that digital photography w had just made the switch in the commercial world from film to digital. So this is 2005. Okay. 2000 and 
2003 to 2005 is when I think I would say commercial photographers really started to make the switch from film to digital. Yeah. And so since I was working in my uh, schooling in digital photography and in film, I was able to sort of take on the role of digital tech and I could help photographers sort of like with their digital workflow. And this is something that a lot of these professional shooters didn't know how to do. So it's just good timing that I could take this role on where I actually knew something that they didn't and I brought something to the table. So it was a really good asset to have and they were willing to pay for it because you know, it's the future of their business as well. Yeah, because I think back then there wasn't really that many digital techs at that point. I mean, like, now there's a lot, but I think probably back then when you started, there wasn't very many. That's right. Yeah, like, when I started working in Boston area in 2005, I was the only digital tech that I knew. Yeah. If I wasn't available, there wasn't someone that I could recommend. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I learned it sort of very quickly because of the background that I had with, uh, you know, with di- digital capture and sort of scanning and stuff like that. There were a couple of people, but um, it was slim pickings. And, you know, the Boston's a little bit smaller market than yeah. New York. And and so it was great because uh, people needed me and I wanted to work. So it kind of worked out pretty well. Yeah. What do you think is like some of the most important things you learned from like photo assisting? I think, you know, like I work, work, just working with, with like serious commercial photographers, one of the things that I took away from it is like sort of just how to work with the clients, you know, like how to make them happy, how to operate in front of, you know, like a crew of people, a a group of strangers that have these expect sort of like these business expectations, you know, like there's a lot of pressure. And so like, you know, watching these guys work, like watching how they shot pictures, like, they taught me that like I should do way more than I really need to do. And I should shoot way more pictures than I planned on shooting and really try to uh, give the client and in essentially myself or as much as humanly possible. And like, that was something that I maybe wasn't, wasn't uh, planning on, uh, on learning. Right. Like I thought, well, you take the picture of whatever the job is X, and you fulfill that and you give it to the client. But I saw that these guys were bending over backwards and really going out of their way to make the experience like richer and like shoot way more pictures in different angles and different lenses and different landscapes and all of this stuff that like was like so much more than what I had expected them to do. Yeah. And I, and I still take that, like, you know, like when I'm on jobs today, I still, think back to those days like what would those guys do yeah for sure and you know where where would they shoot it from it it really it stays with me like almost every job i think like okay what's the next step like i've done what i think i should do so now how can i take it to the next level make it better do more and in the end it's so amazing for even for myself like not just for the client but for me to have like better pictures more pictures Yep. You know, different things that I maybe wouldn't necessarily even think to take myself if I wasn't there for a job. Yeah. And I just sort of like push myself to just try to do more and, uh, you know, essentially do a better job and, you know, think outside of the box in some ways. Yeah. You know, like stupid things like, well, maybe I should back up more or maybe I should get closer. Yeah. Or what if we turn around 180 degrees and shoot the other direction? Yeah. You know, like little things like that. Uh, really end up helping me in the end, and that, and I think those things make the client happier to have more options. Exactly. You know? Exactly. 
And then, um, I guess, so from assisting, like, when did you decide, like, making the jump from assisting to shooting? Was it, like, kind of, like, were you kind of bouncing? Were you starting to shoot a little bit? Or did you just kind of at one point just say, you know what, I'm stopping assisting and I'm going for it? Yeah, well, so, so you know, one of the things that I think was, like, sort of, in a weird sort of way, it was kind of a something that really always bothered me. Uh, was that a lot of the photo- that is that the photographers I was working with, they knew that I was already a photographer yeah. on my own. I wasn't just an assistant, exactly. Right, so they knew that I had a gallery. They knew that I was having exhibitions. They mm-hmm. knew that I was motivated. That I wanted to be a photographer, and I think that. I say it's a problem because like very quickly in a lot of these relationships, I sort of outlived the assistant role because they were seeing that I was a little bit bored and that I really wanted to do what they were doing. So they, they, you know, a lot of these guys, they told me I'm not hiring you anymore because I want you to go shoot. And if I keep hiring you, you won't do it. Yeah. So they sort of kicked me out of the nest, Yeah. which really pissed me off Yeah. because I liked them and I really wanted to work with them. I was having fun. Yeah. We were all buds. Yeah. We were, you know, it was a good time, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that they saw the bigger picture, which was this dude could be doing this on his own yeah. and I'm just enabling him to not reach his potential. Right. So... They, you know, they don't need, they just need me to do my job for them, right? Like, they don't need much more than that. I mean, friendship aside. So they could see that, like, they were holding me back in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so it was really, I was really conflicted by it because on one level, I really appreciated it, respected it. But on the other level, I really wanted the money and the work. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I still got bills. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, and so, like, I was shooting the whole time. Yeah. And I was building a portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so inevitably what happened was I think they just stopped hiring me. And I sort of had to scramble to figure it out. And I had this portfolio. And then I, uh, and then like inevitably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, which was kind of fortunate was that I, I hurt my neck and I couldn't work for a few months. Mm -hmm. And once I came back from that neck injury, no one would hire me anymore yeah. because they just wanted me to be a photographer. They were like, you're not an assistant. You got to go, yeah. you got to go like live your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so I just decided when I was back from that injury, you know, like couple, maybe like three to six months out of the game, I was like, all right, well I'm back now. And I just need to go like tough it out and like do it on my own. Yeah. And it was really like a nice clean break in a way. So yeah. as painful as that experience was, yeah. you know, physically and emotionally, it put me at this place where I would just like at the crossroads, which I think is a place that a lot of people don't get to because like it's grayer than that for most people. Right. It's not as black and white. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I had I had a moment where I was standing there and I was just not an assistant anymore. And it wasn't by my choice. It was by fate and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. I just decided that from that moment on, like, you know, screw it. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. And it's a very, you know, it's a slow process. It was for me anyway to get to the point where I could, you know, have enough jobs or have enough work to, you know, just to even equal financially what I was doing as a digital tech and assistant, right? And so 
Um, but it, but I think for me it worked out because I may have tried to hang on to that assistant role for as long as possible. Yeah. Just because of the comfort level. Yep. You know, it's good money. It's good times. Mm-hmm. Like, why turn that down? It's fun, you know? Exactly. But at the, at the same point, you know, I was also getting to the position where I was pitching myself to clients in the local area yep. and then also working for photographers who were also working for those clients. It gets confusing. So I would show up on set one day and be like the assistant when like the week before that I was yeah. in a meeting with the same person trying to be the photographer. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you know, like confusing for that person. For sure. It was confusing for me. So I think, you know, at some point you have to decide which role you want to be in and then just be in one role. Yeah. Because being in both the assistant and the photographer role is a complicated existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, then I and guess you know, so- once you decide, okay, I'm not the assistant anymore. You know, you could, you could, you know, declare that and I think own it. Right. And so tell your clients, tell everybody. And it, it it's tough. You know, I had a tough year, yeah. that year or two or yep. three, you know, like that transition's not, it wasn't fast for me. Oh no. And, and I already had like one foot in the game. Like I was shooting a bunch of jobs before I even decided this. So, yeah. you know, it's just sort of how it is. But the other thing is that like, you know, I think the art world was really helpful for me in sort of helping to facilitate my commercial career because the commercial photography world loves the art world, right? So, mm-hmm. like, if you have a gallery, they like that. It's yep. respect. You know, you have respect. It's instant vetting. Yep. And so I was able to get an agent because I had a great gallery. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden I had an agent and a gallery. And, you know, like, that was amazing. You know, it took a long – it took a year or two or whatever – to get that agency photographer relationship sort of really cooking. Yeah. But um, the art world did help me get a little leg up by having a good gallery with good representation and yeah. I had a book published. And, you know, those are all things that the commercial photography world really loves. They yeah. love artists, they love art books, they love art shows. And oh, yeah. I used all that stuff to my advantage to help get a better foothold in the commercial world. And I still do, you know, I still really do that. What? And I would say that's absolutely still the case with my current work, you know? Yeah. What were like some of the first jobs you kind of started shooting? Like, I guess once you broke away from shooting, what kind of clients were you working with? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the first, the very first jobs I started shooting were all editorial, you know, like magazine work, portraits. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like in the editorial world, of course there's, there's a, a couple of different ways it could go. One way is that like you get a job that's perfect for you. Yep. And the other way is that like the client has a need to be filled and they need somebody to fill it. Meaning yep. they might have a picture that they need to have taken and you might not be the perfect person for it, but they want to work for you. They want to work with you. Yeah. And so like I would get calls to shoot all this random stuff. Yeah that had nothing to do with my work, but just because people wanted to work with me or they knew me or I had a connection to them. Yeah. And so I was getting some work that was appropriate yeah. for what I wanted to be doing and a lot of work that was not appropriate, but yeah. it paid the bills and it was fun and it was, you know, it was work. And as a photographer, you never really say no. And I would say, I would say you know, a like, lot of times it, you can, yeah, you can you learn know. a lot from those jobs, the ones that you don't think you're interested in. I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? I, I would say like sometimes those jobs where you might not be interested in the subject, I think you can kind of, it's a challenge, and I think you can actually learn a lot from those assignments. I don't know if you would agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the jobs that I thought were like 
sort of like just whatever fun, fun little cool editorial jobs that like I didn't think were like going to be all that fantastic yeah. ended up being like some of the most amazing pictures I've ever taken. Exactly. And so I certainly learned that like opportunity will arise in like the most random of circumstances. Yeah. So like, you know, like even on these ones that are like really random, mm -hmm. like, you know, can you go photograph a cake or something yeah. you know, at a bakery? You know, you might meet an amazing baker and then you take a picture of the baker, you know, if you want to take portraits, which yeah. is sort of like what I do, mm -hmm. you know, and then you have this amazing connection through the thing and it all sort of around this little cake photo. Yeah. I think so, you know, and photography is cool like that. It's so like malleable, you know, yeah. like, you know, the thing that's amazing about, uh, about my job is that. I get to meet all these people, yeah. you know, and they're all really into it for the most part. Like if I'm being hired to photograph someone or I'm meeting someone around the photography related thing, yeah. everybody's excited about it. Yeah, right. Like, and so yeah, everybody's friendly, yeah. everybody's smiling, everybody's happy. Everybody's bending over backwards to let me do what I want so I can do a good job. Yeah. And you know, like it's such a great environment to be in where everybody's so down for it. You yeah, know? definitely. I think about like, you know, regular people that work nine to five jobs. That's not the case, you no. know, where everybody's just stoked to be there for the most part, you yeah. know, and it's a good gig, you yeah. know, if you can make it work. Mm -hmm. And then. I know how, how do you balance, because you do like fine artwork and galleries and you're doing editorial, commercial stuff, like you've done stuff for Honda, you just came off a campaign for Bush Beer, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I shoot all kinds of stuff, you know, I, I consider myself an environmental portrait photographer, ideally, mm -hmm. that's what, you know, if you gotta, if you gotta pin it down to one thing, and so, yeah. you know, we were shooting, uh, with the thing we shot for Honda recently was a really amazing collaboration through uh, fatherly.com, which is like this media company that's uh, geared towards dads, yeah. right? So now I'm a, now I'm a dad of three kids yeah. and, uh, you know, I do photography with my children and all kinds of stuff. So like they found me through that mm -hmm. and we did this project where we drove around and traveled around the East coast, documenting what it means to be a dad in America today. Like, yeah. What does that look like vis visually? Mm -hmm. And so that was a really amazing project. I mean, that was a dream project because it had all of the things that I'm interested in my yeah. personal life and in my fine, in my photography life, yeah. you know, like fatherhood, photography, you know, kids. Yeah. But the beautiful part about that job is that I was, we were traveling like, you know, video and stills on sort of like a, skeleton crew just us yeah so we didn't have any creative direction oversight yeah so i could basically shoot it like a fine art project yeah it looked like your and just shoot work. what i wanted yeah. and, and you know that that is really a dream scenario because that means the client trusts me enough to do my okay. thing completely 100 percent yeah and that when they get when i get back what i deliver them is what they will have expected you know based on what they know for my website or my work right and so i was able to shoot everything that i wanted in a way that i wanted and, and, you know give the message that i wanted but then it was also the message that they wanted. yeah you know and that is not always the case you know like in this commercial world where there's art directors everywhere and yeah. everything's you know micromanaged down to like you know like you know the nth degree it, it's very freeing to just be 
sent yep. on the road with nothing but your camera in your in your mind mm -hmm. to create this project for such an amazing client like Honda and Fatherly and such an important topic like what does fatherhood what does fatherhood look like and mean? Yeah. You know, so we interviewed the dads and we talked about all things, you know, father related. Mm -hmm. It was pretty amazing. Yeah. And then I guess like how do you balance that with your fine artwork? Because it's kind of almost two different realms. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, you know, I think, well, you know, what's happening for me now in my career, it's taken, you know, it's taken a long time to get to this point. But now I think, like, the work that I create per personally, my personal artwork, yeah. is now the work that people want to hire me for, for commercial jobs. Yeah. So the fatherly work is an extension of my personal work, the yeah. Honda work. Mm -hmm. You know, my work now, my personal artwork is documenting my kid, documenting essentially my children and what it means to be a dad yeah. for me, right, in some ways. And mm -hmm. I spent the last, you know, five to seven years photographing my daughter out in the, in the wilds of nature, teaching her what it the world looks like and how to interact with, with animals and the planet and nature and how to appreciate it and stuff. Right. And yeah. a lot, you know, the backbone of that, it's like, what, what do I want to be as a father? Mm -hmm. Right. In some ways. So I used photography as sort of an excuse to, to explore that idea, to understand it a about myself, but B then to teach her about this stuff. Right. And so then the clients, are now seeing that work, they like that work, and then they're hiring me to shoot that type of work. So, you know, we just recently did a thing for L.L. Bean, yeah. which was exactly the same way. You know, it was like taking my kids out into the woods and mm -hmm. sort of having this classroom in nature sort of vibe. And then we did the Honda thing, which was, again, like sort of exploring this idea of, like, what does fatherhood mean to you yeah. as a dad, you know, mm -hmm. and finding different dads. Yeah. You know, and then um, the Bush beer campaign, which is just something, you know, it's different. It's commercial. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's about like being out in the woods in the wilderness. You know, we went up to Vancouver and we photographed the woods in the streams, which is exactly where I photographed my kids. So it's a different it's a different subject, but it's the same landscape with the same aesthetic and the same vibe. Yeah. Right. So like all of this is sort of starting to for me mm -hmm. now so like normally one would think that the artwork and the commercial work are separate but what i'm finding is that like finally they're becoming the same which is really ideal yeah and then i guess one thing i wanted to ask you because like like you said a big part of your work is photographing your daughters like you just came out with the book uh, what, last year wild and precious um were you ever like hesitant about like using your daughters for your work this that kind of thing or um, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. I get asked, you know, quite a bit about, like, this idea of, like, exploiting your children. No, I think it's a fair yeah. question. Yeah. And I, and, you know, like, for me, as a photographer, I was already established in this, like, way of, like, experiencing the world in a very public way yeah. through Instagram and, like, photography mm -hmm. with my life and with my dad and my and my cousins and my friends yeah. through photography and through my artwork in graduate school, which was like taking pictures of my family. That's all I did for two years. Mm -hmm. So like when I had a child, I sort of just took that same application that I had the same like way that I had been living my life, which was just like with a camera yeah. 
Yep. And then with a phone, mm-hmm. you know, and I just applied that to my new life, which was with these kids. And like, there was no change as far as I'm concerned. Okay. You know, like once I had a kid, mm-hmm. the photography part of my life didn't change. The way I approached the visual nature of my life didn't change. Got it. I just threw her into the mix, right? Got it. Then I had another kid, yeah. and I had another kid, <laughs> and then before you know it, you have all these kids, yeah. but you're still sort of living your life the same way, which is just like always taking pictures of the landscape, of your family, of your friends, and so they just sort of like flowed into the mix pretty organically, yeah. right? And so then one day I decided, well, I need to like be, a, you know, be much more aware of what I'm doing with my child. Like, how do I want to raise her? Yeah. What do I want to do? You know, what kind of dad do I want to be? What kind of kid do I want to try to raise? Blah, blah, blah. And so like, how does photography play into that? So we started, you know, going out on these adventures and taking pictures. That was just part of how we lived our life, right? Yeah. Like I was never overly considerate of like whether she wanted to be in the pictures or not because that never just came up yeah it was just like she was just in them right yeah i mean yes at some point i could decide that a she would be in the public sphere or b not in the public sphere but i just decided like Mm -hmm. she likes it i like it you know we talked about it Mm -hmm. she's just a little kid you know she's like six seven eight years old right yeah so she doesn't really get it yeah but we did have conversations about like photography what it means you know and Mm -hmm. i've always sort of had them out there and i think you know like one thing that sort of made it much more easy for me to just sort of accept that this is how our life this is the path that our life was sort of taking was as stupid as it sounds was instagram yeah because instagram was a place that we were you know it was like a public fear for sharing photography right and the way that i chose to use instagram was to just use it as a diary Mm -hmm. sort of photographing my life my family my my house my pets my my career and so i just photograph whatever's in front of me like the unifier on my instagram feed is me Mm -hmm. right so like some days it's a picture of you some days it's a picture of my kids some days it's a picture of my studio yeah you know like that doesn't really and so like the more you do that over years, you know, then it's, five, you know, once you have five years under your belt, you're like, oh, shit, this is all public. Yeah. Like, you know, it's <laughs> not really like you didn't have a moment where you decided whether it is or isn't public. Right. Yeah. So once we created all of this work for five years, of course, the point of that is to have an exhibition. Yeah. And then you have a book. You know, if you're lucky enough to have a book to accompany the exhibition, yeah. then it's public and it's out there, right? Yeah. And so, like, my kids sort of are growing up, mm-hmm. you know, under in the spotlight in some ways, right? Like, it might not be that bright of a spotlight, but it's it's my spotlight yeah. and it's public, yeah. right? So, you know, I just think that you do have to be a little bit careful, of course, and considerate about what you're showing in your photographs. Yeah. You could, you should expect certain level of backlash because not everyone understands, mm-hmm. not everyone cares, not everyone's smart enough to get it. Exactly. And I think, and it's not for, and that is certainly not um, because they're trying to get it. I think there's a lot of people that don't want to get it, yeah. don't care. They're just look, reading it really superficially and responding, yeah. which I think is a really uneducated way to respond to anything. Definitely. But that's just the way people react, right? Like yeah. not everyone. You know, it might be a little bit of a curse to have gone to a school like RISD where you're very critical mm-hmm. and hyper aware of every element of life, right? Like, not everybody has that 
in them. So when they see a picture of like a child with a bloody nose, their first response might be abusive father. When my intention is vulnerability of childhood. So those are two very different reads on the exact same picture. Right. And I get a lot of backlash for some of my pictures Mm -hmm. and it's only because the people don't take the time enough to read what the pictures are really about. Yeah, it's just like but, an honest, but maybe they don't yeah. care. It's just an honest okay like documentation. Because I can't Yeah, I mean I can't make the work for everybody, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I just make it for myself and mm-hmm. only hope that people will appreciate it and respond to it in the right way or, or what I perceive as the right way, you know? Yeah. Um so, you know, when you're taking pictures of your kids, you do you are putting yourself in a vulnerable position. You're putting them in a vulnerable position yeah. potentially. So. But this is sort of the world that I've created and the world that we sort of live in now. And it's become totally standard for us to just be public. Yeah. It's almost like we live in a reality TV show <laughs> mentality, yeah. right? Yeah. I know it sounds stupid, yeah. but it's almost like when you decide you're going to put your family yeah. on your Instagram account for everyone in the world to see. Yeah. And then not only that, but then you hope that you know media picks up on this and they get excited about it and they yeah. repost it and they share it and mm-hmm. like you know, blah, 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 you know, everyone should be on board with that. And so as a family, we're okay with it. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the funny thing, one of the funniest things that ever happened, not funniest, but one of the weirdest slash kind of quirky things that happened to me is that I took a picture of my daughter when she lost her tooth. Yeah, And it's a picture of her, like, holding her lip up, showing me, like, the hole where her tooth was. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a funny, cute picture of, like, childhood. Again, my mind is always thinking about this idea of, like, the vulnerability of the fragility and fleeting nature of being a child, man. It goes so fast. Oh, yeah. And it's so fragile, right? So, like, as a photographer, how are you able to visually see that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's not always visual, Mm-hmm. So when a kid loses a tooth, boom, that's visual. You can take a picture of that, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like it's something tangible that like you can see, I can see, you can relate to it, I can relate to it. It's a it's a point where we can connect. So mm-hmm. I took a picture of her with a tooth show, with a tooth missing and she's holding her lip up and Instagram reposted it yep. on their feed. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing because it immediately got like a thousand, tens of thousands of likes and yeah. people like were commenting, but a lot of the comments were really negative. Yeah. And it was the first time that I had come across something that I thought was like so innocent and beautiful yeah. being misinterpreted yeah. on a mass scale. And it really freaked me out. And mm. I was like, holy shit, man. Did it make you like These think people twice? People are crazy. Did it make you like think twice it, like should, or anything? Like, should I have taken that picture? Or what were you thinking? Like, when you well, said, well, so what happened was they got such a backlash that they actually removed the picture. Wow. <laughs> and so then what happened was people in the feed, yep. they replaced it with another picture. Okay. And it was the kind of thing like Instagram's top five pictures of the week, right? Yep. And it had our, all of our names tagged. Mm-hmm. So they took, they had my picture of my daughter with all five names. And then they replaced my picture with a different picture, but they still kept all the names. So all the comments and stuff stayed in the feed. And so then what happened was that the people revolted against Instagram and they were really pissed that they removed that picture. Then all the comments were like, why did you change the picture? Where did that girl's picture go? You should put it back. Why are you, why are you, uh, you know, um, 
sanctioning this, blah, blah, blah. It was really pretty funny. Yeah. The good news is that, it, it you know, it, there's no such thing as bad press, yeah, right? Yeah. So they were able to um, help me in some ways, get exposure. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I took this negative situation and turned it into something kind of amazing, actually, kind of funny, right? Yeah. I guess... So the next thing I just want to ask you is like, so the project you've been working on for years, Wild and Precious, which you just published a book on, what, last year? Uh, 2015, so 2015. it's two years now. Okay, was it, is that a project that's like still ongoing, or is it like, how did it start? Yeah, so it started, um, it started sort of randomly on accident. I was out on the road with my daughter taking some photos. Uh, not of her, just of sort of the landscape. We were on a little bit of a family road trip. And then very quickly it turned into, uh, you know, just behind the scenes. What happened was I realized that she was sort of like every once in a while I would turn my camera on her. And those were the best pictures that I had been making at the time. So I thought, well, let's just go with that and see what happens. You know, like this was never my plan. I'm not a kid photographer. I'm sort of a nature photographer. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I was photographing men at that point. And so I never really thought about photographing my young daughter. And so over the next sort of five years, we sort of really started to work in earnest on this project. Mm-hmm. And so then what happened was that like, we sort of wrapped up this project after five years. Yeah. But, in the meantime, I had two other children. Mm-hmm. So even though I was focusing my work for Wild and Precious on my first daughter, yeah. the other two were slowly making their way into the work also in yeah. the same way that my first daughter did, just because they were now born and then they yeah. were alive and then they were walking and now they're walking into my frame. Yeah. I mean, literally, it's that simple. You know, like before they didn't exist. Now they do. Mm-hmm. Before they couldn't get in the shot, now they can. Yeah. So, like, as life grew sort of organically, the project grew organically to sort of encompass all of them. And so, to answer the question about whether it's ongoing, I would say Wild and Precious sort of started this idea of me photographing my kids mm-hmm. when I only had one. And I don't see how it could ever end. Yeah. So is it ongoing? I would say yes. It's going to be ongoing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't foresee a moment when I stop photographing them. Yeah. And the other thing in relation to that, to your question and my life, is that like through the process of creating Wild and Precious, yeah. I became really way more engaged in the natural world than I had ever been before. Yeah. Because it became our thing, right? Like, once we decided, like, nature's our thing, we're going to go explore it and document it. We learned a lot about it, and Mm -hmm. we learned much, much more about how amazing it is. Mm -hmm. And so now it's changed us to become these sort of, like, nature people where we're really engaged. We're really enthused by it, and it changed our life outside of photography. So, like, now we sort of live this life that we created, Mm -hmm prior to the project, right? Mm-hmm. But now we live it full time. So like whenever I turn the camera onto our life, it's automatically already photographing sort of like the project yeah. in essence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like anytime we go anywhere, it's the project basically. Like we live the project now, which is amazing. I mean, I couldn't be happier about that, you know? Yeah. But it's the default state at this point. So like Anytime I take a picture on my Instagram feed, it's like essentially my Instagram feed has become the wild and precious feed, oh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so 
I'm not making these instances for the camera anymore. The instances are there, and I just pull the camera out. You know what I mean? Like, it sort of flipped 180 on itself, if that makes any sense. If yeah. that's making sense. No, it makes sense. Um, you guess. know, like, before we would drive to Maine and take a picture. Now we just live in Maine, and the picture is there constantly. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's like, it, it, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, I haven't really put energy into creating work about the girls like i did with wild and precious so we're sort of in between projects we're taking like a a lull from the fine art thing and we're experiencing like the work that we're creating now i would say is like just the everyday life of what we do Mm -hmm. and we're trying to figure out how that works into art the art world and so some of the things that we're doing are less photographic based Mm -hmm. and we're like collecting things like out in nature and we're like making these sort of like installation and sculptural pieces. Mm -hmm. And I'm also always photographing the girls in a way that is like really in line with wild and precious. Right. Yeah. So like we're creating new work, but I wouldn't say we're working on a very specific project. Okay. And I actually feel a little bit guilty about that. You know, like I set myself up for this, thing where like now i feel obligated in some ways to create work for the other two children yeah, in a way that i did for the first child yeah, yeah, you know like yeah, it's book. a false sense of like obligation <laughs> um and i you know my sort and my disclaimer to get out of that is that well they weren't around when i started <laughs> this, right like i couldn't include them because they didn't exist <laughs> so like now what does that mean that they do exist right like now what do you do with that right and yeah. so i'm always thinking about that and including them. And I think, again, like the life that we live just sort of dictates that they're all included. Mm-hmm. And so anytime I turn my camera or my art brain onto our life, it's not just one kid anymore. It's yeah. the whole family. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's, or, listen, that happened organically. I think that's the best way it could have happened. I didn't force it. Yeah. It's not conscious. It's just, it is what it is. And mm-hmm. I like that about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, smart. Could you see yourself in the future, like, doing another book project? Is that, like, something that you enjoyed doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I had a most amazing experience working with Daylight Books, the mm-hmm. guys who published my book. Yep. It was fabulous. Yeah. Everything about it was awesome. I love the book. I had complete creative control. Yeah. You know, everything about that experience was amazing. It was one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life is to have that book published. I would absolutely love to publish another book once I get to the point where I have enough work to do it. Yeah, and I think it would be it would be awesome if it was like chapter two of, or something. I think, again, like just given the state of my life at this point, it is chapter two, you yeah. know, unofficially. And so I'm not sure what that means exactly for, Mm -hmm. you know, what the work will look like or what the pictures will look like or what the title of the project would be. But it would certainly be a a continuation of sorts of Wild and Precious, definitely. Yeah. Mm. I guess a couple more questions. Yeah, I mean, that's where I find myself now. I mean, I live this Wild and Precious existence in my artwork, in my personal life, and in my commercial work. So, like, it's amazing, man, to be like, have this one thing sort of like control all, you know, like sort of be the overriding factor of my whole life. Yeah. Something that I'm so passionate about, you know, like being nature dad. That's me. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You it's know, all, it's awesome, man. Um, I guess a couple more things I wanted to ask you is this like, 
how do you feel about like like living in Rhode Island versus like how so many photographers feel like they need to live in New York City? Do you feel like it's been a disadvantage or an advantage kind of being in Rhode Island? I think, I mean, the truth is it's both for me. It's yeah. a disadvantage because I don't have access to those people that I want mm -hmm. access to. Yeah. I have to travel to get access to those people, which yeah. is much more of a pain in the ass. Yeah. But it makes me more committed. Mm -hmm. I go there way less than I should. Yeah. Um, because I want to stay in Rhode Island. I mean, I stay in Rhode Island because I love it. Yeah. You know, we live across the street from the beach. We have a little farm. I don't want to leave my house. Yeah. Um, that's a disadvantage, yeah. right? So the advantage, I would say, is that it keeps me closer to the Boston market, which I really love. Yeah. But also, it keeps me as a New Englander. Yeah. And I get work regionally mm -hmm. as a New England person. Definitely. I think the, the biggest advantage to it to me, is that I'm not one of the many New York photographers. Yeah. There's just so many photographers in New York. Yeah. I, I would say it's a bigger fish in a smaller pond kind of mentality, yeah. right? There's not a lot of people living in Rhode Island that do what I do. No. And so that makes me happy. Yeah. And I think it also makes me unique to the clients. Yeah. And so... I'm not sure if that's re if that's just in my mind or if that's in reality, but I think people now know that I live here. Yeah. They they know that I'm the New Eng I'm a New England guy. Yeah. I'm not a New Yorker. Yeah. And so that drives my work towards New England, which is much better for my aesthetic, Definitely. much better for the jobs that I want to do. Yeah. And um that 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 also makes me happy. Yeah. I mean, the downside again is like I don't have the connection socially to these people because I'm not near them yep. physically, right? And mm -hmm. so, like, I have to put a much bigger effort into going to see the gallery, going yep. to see the art shows, going to see the, you know, the, the business meetings, the, you know, the commercial yep. meetings in New York with whoever. Mm -hmm. My agents are in New York. My galleries in New York. Yep. All the people I want to work for are in New York. So I stay connected. I'm very good at staying connected. It means I'm on the computer more yeah. than in front of their face, but that's okay. You mm -hmm. know, connection is connection. Definitely. And I think truth be told, in some ways, it's easier to stay connected virtually rather than physically. Yeah. But there's nothing like a face-to-face -face meeting. So I do go to New York yeah. and do that stuff. For sure. I think it's essential. Yeah. I think, you know, that's a, that's a big part of my life is like, physical connection to people like you know getting mm -hmm. in front of them and yeah. talking to them face to face that's a really important part of what i want to do in my life yeah. so i do try to make that happen but yeah i live in the little rhode island bubble and it's okay with me <laughs> no i like it man i think it gives your work like a different look if you were in new york city your work wouldn't look the way it looks you know so i think no I question think it's a good thing. absolutely absolutely yeah i mean my work is my life and so i just have to live out here to make it that way, you know? Yeah. And then, like, I guess, like, to start wrapping things up, I guess, how how did you, how much time did it take you to get to a point where, like, you feel like you have your aesthetic of, like, how you shoot? Um, did it take you a long time? Um, well, I would say, I, I, I mean, for me, the answer to that question is not that long. Yeah. So I'm not sure that that's the right answer. That's, an that's not going to be, obviously, that's not going to be everyone's answer. Yeah. But like I, once I found photography and I started working in undergrad and then I went immediately to grad school, by the time I had graduated grad school, yeah. I had already established that very strongly. I had a look and aesthetic to my work that I had created. Yeah. So that's only four, less than four years. Yep. 
And that's without shooting any commercial jobs at all. Nice. I had created this look, this vibe. And so I think um, what's funny is that like when I look at pictures now that I take and I look at pictures that I took when I was in my undergraduate school, yeah. they're the same pictures. Yeah. This is like in 2000, that's, 17 years that's, ago, that's, right? That's, that's they're pretty the amazing. same goddamn picture. Yeah, that's pretty and amazing. And I think, oh shit, you know. I'm the same dude with the same <laughs> eye and the same vision that I was yeah. 17 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I established that very quickly. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because I can't seem to break out of that. No, I think it's a good thing. Which is a little frustrating yeah. as an artist to, like, because, you know, you're always looking to grow and expand and, and like, change and morph into in, in something different, yeah. you know, while retaining also or sort of in like natural organic nature of like the original state yeah and i don't see that happening all that often yeah. right i think like oh man i'm just taking the same pictures over and over and over and over yeah. but i think that that's how it goes once you create mm -hmm. something like a really specific personal aesthetic yeah that you're not trying to create that you just that's just the way you see the world yeah. you know and so like i only see the world in one way mm-hmm and it's really frustrating for me to not be able to break out of that. Yeah. But then I think like, well, why would I want to break out of that? That's who I am. That's what people want. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and, 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 I, and I, and like, you know, just like a photo nerd thing here. <laughs> it's like when I got a, like a zoom lens, yeah. like a telephoto lens, yeah. I felt like so enthralled that like some, it was different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> holy shit, like these pictures are different and amazing. And like, it's something so stupid as like getting a new lens, yes, right? Like, I felt like my work had changed and I was taking all these different pictures, although, you know, probably not, you know, when you go back and look on it. Yeah. But it was such a small thing. It made me so happy inside to like have a different thing, you know? I don't know. Just kind of funny. Um, so, you know, not that long in terms of, like, creating a personal aesthetic yeah. for me, personally. Right. I guess, um... Which I think is really the most... Listen, I mean, that's the only thing I, you can bring to the table, I think, in some ways. And I think it's a really important topic right now because Instagram and for commercial photography sort of breeds sameness. Yeah. Like, everybody's trying to take the same picture. They're mm -hmm. all trying to do the same thing and all the pictures are looking the same and like it's so boring yeah right so all you can bring to the table is your personal unique vision mm -hmm. right and it's the one thing that you can't fake yeah so you have to have it man right like you can copy it and you see thousands of people copying the same picture over and over and over Definitely. right they're all replicas of the same thing yeah but like it's why clients want to hire you because you have your own unique vision. Yeah. And I feel really fortunate to have created that, but like this all goes back. And I mean, maybe this is a good sort of like ending for this, for this thing. It all goes back to this idea for me of going to grad school. Yeah. When I went to grad school, that's when I created that vision because I worked on that vision for two years every day. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't do that, I probably wouldn't have it, you yeah. know? And so, was grad school a good idea? I know you asked me that earlier. Yeah. Like the most important thing I could have ever done yeah. because it created that vision, right? And so every single thing that happens in my life in relation to my photography is all because of that decision, you yeah. know? At least that's my 
my my perspective. No, it makes sense. It just gave you time to create that like aesthetic and vision kind of. Yeah, it just gave me time to figure out who I was. Yep. Right. Yeah. And unless, and I think this is where a lot of photographers struggle. Mm. Like they're trying to figure out their vision, who they are, how do they photograph things, what are they about? Yep. Like, you know, not just like content of the picture, but like how does the picture like formed framing? Yep. You know, like. All kind, all that sort of like basic stuff. Mm -hmm. What are you interested and, in? And uh, it's something that a lot of people lack, man. It's like this originality. Mm -hmm. I think, and I'm not saying my pictures are certainly not the most original. I'm inspired by lots of people, yeah, lots of things, mm -hmm. a lot of photographers, yeah. strangers, and very close friends. Yeah, and but I mean, you know, so it's a, it's a, just like all of us, it's a, we're all sort of like a cornucopia of all of this, like. Mm -hmm inundation with media imagery over and over and over right yeah. so you take what you like from all the stuff that's put in front of you and you sort of create your own sort of puzzle from it you mm -hmm. know some people just are more in tune with that than others i think yeah um i guess my my last question is to wrap it up is um so you've been doing this for a long time now you've done everything from fine art to editorial commercial like what goals do you have now like what are you looking forward to do in the future yeah, I would say my goals for the next year yep. are to find, I want to pinpoint a new photo project, like something specific. Okay. Um, so even though I said earlier that like my life sort of just dictates the work and like I'm just sort of going with the flow, yep. I do want to find a specific project and maybe it's just like some small side project, mm -hmm. like photographing something specific. Okay. One of the things that I'm planning to do in the next year is to do a, a personal project on women farmers. Okay. So I want to find women farmers and document them mm -hmm. both in video and in stills. Okay. And so that's something I'm going to start working. I've started working on it. I'm going to continue to work on it and it's very specific. It's related to my work, but it's not my life. Yep. You know, it's related to my life, but it's not my life. Yeah. Um, so that's something, you know, like a goal of mine is to create, a new art project. And so that's that. Okay. And then also, um, you know, I want to work more interactively with my girls and yeah. creating some artwork, mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of medium okay. from photography to sculpture. Nice. And so, you know, we're going to make these, we're going to, we're going to be working on these sort of glass sculptural pieces actually, okay. which is kind of exciting yeah. for me because it's not photography, you know, like I love working mediums that are not photography. Yeah. And so again, like the idea behind my work is like this fragility of childhood and like mm -hmm. the fragility of human life in some ways, right? Like, mm -hmm. and how we're connected to the, to the planet. Mm -hmm. And of course the current political climate is only making me feel like it's so much more important to make this work than I normally would feel. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm going to make that. And then, make those pieces. And then, you know, commercially, I want to work for more clients that feel that like, you know, my message and my, uh, aesthetic are right for them. You know, whoever yeah. that might be, you know, mm -hmm. like I just think like creating more work around the environment, mm -hmm. our connection to nature, finding other businesses and partnering with them to, you know, to work on stories about sustainability, mm -hmm. you know, like what is, how can we make the earth a better place? That's my goal in life, man. Okay. Right. I'm raising children to take care of this place 
in a better way than I'm going to take care of it and in a better way than my dad took care of it, you know? And so I want to find clients to work with to do that. Like, how do we do mm-hmm. that? Like, how can we take their commercial needs of yeah. like getting their products out in front of the people yeah. and then infuse those needs with the sustainability practices that are going to make the world a better place. Yeah. Well, I like it, man. It sounds like you got a plan and, uh, well, it's an idea. It's not a plan, yeah. I look I look forward to seeing it, man. And uh well, yeah, thank you. Was, thanks, Alex. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks it's always nice to talk to you. Yeah, definitely, man. I definitely appreciate you coming on here. Um it's kinda I knew when I started this thing I wanted to have you on as the first guest is because that's a lot of respect for your work and uh I knew you'd have a lot to offer and I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm honored to be number one, baby. I like it. Thank you so much. That's really, really cool. And then I guess um, for people that are going to listen to it, where can they uh, see your work? Um, well, they could see my website. It's just at jessieburke.com. And then if they want to follow along on our adventures, they could find me on Instagram at jesse underscore burke. All right. my handle. And uh, we're always doing some fun, awesome outside adventure thing. And we have our little farm. <laughs> You can see our crazy life and uh, follow along with us. Perfect. And if you do, then make make sure you mention that you you heard about it on uh, on this podcast. Yeah, definitely, man. All right, Jesse. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thanks All so right, much. All right, brother. Yeah, my pleasure, Alex. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Later. Take care. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. That's the first photo banter podcast. I want to thank our guest Jesse Burke for coming on the show. Um, I thought it was a great interview. I know I learned a lot. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, but going forward, I just want to let you guys know that we're going to be doing weekly podcasts here um, with different photographers and people that work in the photography industry. Um, so definitely a lot more to look forward to coming up. Um, I'm going to be posting these podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, as well as on my website at alexgarnierphoto.com. And then I'll also be updating my Instagram um, with new guests coming up at alexgarnierphoto. And that's on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, definitely look forward to um, doing a lot more of these. And uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, have a good one.